0: Hello brothers and sisters, Brother John back and I want to talk about the prophecy in creation week and how it ties to the end times that we are now living in. Knowing that God declared the end from the beginning, I want to re-examine the prophecy so that we can get a better understanding of when the rapture and the great tribulation will take place and see just how close we really are to the rapture of the church. But before I go ahead and dive into that, I just want to go ahead and mention that we are days away from the 9th of Av, which is a notorious day that is known for disasters. And we have a potential military standoff that is about to happen in Taiwan with Nancy Pelosi's potential visit. And China is warning Biden not to play with fire. And China is right now conducting live military fire drills all around the coast of Taiwan. So now if Pelosi doesn't go to Taiwan, it's going to make America look weak in the eyes of the world. But if she does go, then it has the potential to spark a military conflict with China. However, China could just be bluffing, and all they do is just military drills to show off their forces. And I think that that's the most likely case. We'll have to wait and see how this unfolds in the coming days, but what makes this very interesting is how close this event is tying into the 9th of Av, knowing that World War I started on the 9th of Av. There's a chance, a possibility, that something major can happen on this day or maybe not maybe nothing will happen but it's something that is interesting and it's something that I wanted to go ahead and mention and just keep an eye on nonetheless okay so let's get back to the matter at hand one important verse I want to mention before I get started is 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 8 which is the key that unlocks the prophecies in creation week of Genesis 1, and it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So now let's take this key verse and dive into God's 7,000 year plan for mankind. You see, God made the heavens and the earth and everything in them in six days, which represent 6,000 years of mankind's rule on the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested. The seventh day being the day of the Lord, in which Jesus is going to rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years, and there will be peace and rest for his people. This comes at the end of Daniel's 70th week but there is much more details to this seven day prophecy. God gave a prophecy for each day of creation. He revealed the end from the beginning. Hidden in plain sight is this prophecy that foretells us what will happen during each millennium, from Adam to the day of the Lord. For each day of creation, God revealed what will happen during the thousand year period. For example, on the first day, God divided the light from the darkness, telling of Adam's sin that would separate mankind from God that is the light, and sin being the darkness. And God indeed divided the light from the darkness on the first day. From the first day that Adam sinned, it divided mankind from the light and the glory of living in God's presence. On the second day, God made the firmament, which means heaven, and divided the waters which represent people, according to Revelation chapter 17, verse 15, which were under the firmament, from the waters which were above the firmament. And this prophecy foretold of the flood, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God saved Noah and his family, and he indeed divided the people above the firmament from the people which were under the firmament by using Noah's ark. And there were literally people under Noah's ark when the flood came, and God divided the righteous, which was Noah and his family, from the wicked. And in this story, Noah is a type of Jesus, and his family is the church that has found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that grace came from our faith that is in the Son of God, and whosoever believeth on him will be saved. And the wicked are those who rejected the love of the truth, that is, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. On the third day, God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together onto one place, and let the dry land appear. And God parted the Red Sea, making the waters gather together on each side. And the dry land appeared, making a way for the Israelites to cross over the Red Sea to the other side. On the fourth day, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. The greater light represents Jesus, and the lesser light is John the Baptist. And John, being filled with the Holy Spirit, said, He must become greater and I must become less. The two great lights were Jesus and John, and their ministries were on the fourth day. On the fifth day, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life. The waters represent the Holy Spirit that God would pour out in the last days. The last days meaning the fifth and the sixth day, which are literally the last two days before Jesus Christ returns to rule and to reign on the earth on the day of the Lord. Also, notice that God only created life in the last two days of the creation week, which represent the church age of grace when the Holy Spirit would be active in giving life to the world. And on the sixth day, which is the day that we are currently in right now, a day being a thousand years to the Lord, we are nearing the end of the sixth day, meaning that the seventh day, which is the day of the Lord, is near. Now what is the prophecy about the sixth day? Well just as God made the two great lights on the fourth day, now God made the beast of the earth on the sixth day. The beast of the earth being the beast of revelation that comes out of the bottomless pit that only has but a short time, 42 months, to kill, to steal, and to destroy on the earth until Jesus comes And the beast gets cast into the lake of fire forever. And there's one more prophecy about the sixth day. God also said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. This is what I believe to be our transformation, which is also referred to as the rapture. You see, sin came from Adam, and since Adam's sin, everyone born has been born in the likeness of Adam who was a sinner. But God made a way through His only begotten Son Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish, but have eternal life, and be born again at the rapture. We will be changed from corruption to the image of God, which is holy and incorruptible. As it is written, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. So this transformation happens on the sixth day, which we're in right now, which lasts a thousand years, which is nearly over. And we are very, very close to the year 6000 from Adam. So on the sixth day, we have the beast of the earth, which ties to the last 42 months of the great tribulation, which must end before we enter into the seventh day, because the beast of the earth is not mentioned in the seventh day of creation, only in the sixth day. And also in the sixth day we have the rapture mentioned. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female created he them. We know the image of God is Jesus. And to be created in Jesus' image means to be made incorruptible and holy, just as our Lord is. So this prophecy tells us that we will be changed from this corruptible image, the image of Adam, which is darkness and sin, into the incorruptible image of God before the seventh day, which is the day of the Lord. Because this prophecy is about the sixth day, the day that we're living in right now. But I believe that the seventh day... Is near and the seventh day is exactly 2,000 years from when Jesus Christ was crucified buried and resurrected in the year 30 AD so this is how I know for certain that we are the last generation and that most of my brothers and sisters that are alive today shall not all sleep but we shall all soon be changed at the rapture how can I know this for certain? Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection happened in the year 4,000 from Adam. Jesus was the Passover lamb, and according to Second Chronicles chapter 4, verse 1, the volume or the fullness of the dimensions of Solomon's temple altar were 4,000. The bronze altar was 20 cubits in length, 20 cubits in width, and 10 cubits in height. When you multiply all of these numbers, you get the fullness of the altar, which is 4,000, foretelling us the exact year in which the Lamb of God would be sacrificed for the sins of the world. Also hidden in Creation Week was the first four days of Creation. There was no life created. It wasn't until after the fourth day that God started to create life on the fifth and the sixth day. And this was to symbolize that when Jesus rose again, was resurrected from the dead on the fifth day, the year 4000, that his life-giving spirit was poured out. The Holy Spirit was poured out and it started on the fifth day and it lasted for 2000 years which is the Church Age of Grace. And from the time that Jesus' Holy Spirit was poured out, that Spirit gave life to the world. Before the Holy Spirit was poured out, the world was dead from sin. It wasn't until the year 4000 or the fifth day when Jesus ascended back to heaven and poured out his Holy Spirit on us that life came into the world. And I believe that Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection happened in the year 30 A.D., making 2030 the 6,000th year from Adam, and the start of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. In other words, I believe that the year 2030 is the year of the second coming of Jesus Christ and we will rule and reign with Him for a thousand years in His sight as spoken of by the prophet Hosea after two days or two thousand years that we would live in His sight. Now if 2030 is the second coming because it's exactly two thousand years from the cross that means that the rapture is right around the corner. There isn't much time left. We need to be busy preaching the gospel to the lost and pointing folks to Jesus Christ, the only name that is given to mankind in which we must be saved. I believe that we will be raptured seven years before the second coming. I believe that the rapture is in the Old Testament as well, in Isaiah chapter 26, verses 20 through 21, which tells us that the rapture happens when Jesus comes to the earth to bring his wrath, also called indignation. And just before the wrath comes, like the Red Sea moment, we will be taken out of the way. We're going to be rescued, just like Lot was taken out of the way before it rained down fire. The same day that we go up is the same day that the wrath comes down. This is why it is written in Isaiah, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth shall also disclose her blood and shall no longer cover her slain. Now, when do we see this event happening in the book of Revelation? We see this exact same event of Jesus coming out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth at the sixth seal, which is the same time that Jesus goes to pour out his indignation, which is the same time that he tells his children to come thou and enter into my chambers. We see the Lord on the earth and the people hiding in the rocks and the caves at the sixth seal. And moments later we see a great multitude from every nation, language and tongue praising God in heaven that was saved out of the great tribulation by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is us the church folks. The same time you see the Lord from the earth bringing wrath indignation is the same time that he is calling his children to hide into his chambers. And I believe that these chambers are the place that Jesus said that he was preparing for us in his father's house that has many mansions. Why would Jesus build mansions for us in heaven if there was no rapture? or if the rapture was post-tribulation. It doesn't make any sense. He prepared a place for us to hide us in heaven during Daniel's 70th week because we are not appointed to that wrath. When the wrath comes down, we go up. We see this in Revelation chapter six and seven. Jesus comes to the earth to start the great day of his wrath and to bring his indignation When you see his children entering into their chambers in chapter 7 of Revelation, the great multitude from every nation, language, and tongue that is caught up to God's throne, praising God and the Lamb in heaven, we the church get rescued out of the great tribulation. When Jesus comes to the earth to rapture the church, this is the start of the seven-year great tribulation, and we are rescued out of the Great Tribulation at the very start of Daniel's 70th week, not at the middle and not at the end, we are rescued at the start. This is why I believe the elder says, then one of the elders answered saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? He asked, where did they come from? Because a great multitude that nobody can number from every nation, language and tongue was just caught up, harpazoed. To the throne of God in the blink of an eye. This is the birth of the man-child from Revelation 12 that was caught up to God's throne. The exact order is there. The stars from heaven fall to the earth at the sixth seal. People can see Jesus from the earth getting ready to pour out his indignation on the inhabitants of the earth. At the same time, Jesus is calling his children to hide thou into his chambers. And then we see the great multitude in heaven at the next chapter, which is still the sixth seal. The seventh seal hadn't been opened yet. So I believe that everything there is in order. And we also get another confirmation in Revelation chapter 12, that when the stars fall from heaven, then the woman gives birth. So the birth of the church happens at the sixth seal. Why else would the elder ask, who are these, if they were always there? He already knew who they were. He's only asking to bring attention to them. Why? Because they are us. They're the church. And I believe he wanted to encourage us, the church, that we are in heaven before the seven trumpets of wrath. Before the seven vials of wrath that are God's judgments. They're God's supernatural judgments. And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of great tribulation. Who comes out of the great tribulation at the very start of it? It is us, the church. Before any of the seven trumpet judgments and before the seven vials, you see the church in heaven. Praising God, it has to be the church because we are not appointed to the wrath. And the book of Revelation tells us When the wrath comes, the wrath begins at the sixth seal, not before it. And why are we not appointed to that wrath? The very next verse answers that question. And washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. It is because we are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He washed our robes. In the blood of the Lamb, we the church are covered in His precious and righteous blood of Jesus Christ. It is His righteous blood that was shed that saves us from the penalty of sin, which is death and wrath. Are unbelievers washed in the blood of the Lamb? No, absolutely not. This can only be the church that is bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Those that believe on Jesus for salvation are forgiven, our sins are forgiven through the righteous blood of Jesus Christ, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. they shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat, for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Wow. Just wow, amazing, beautiful prophecy there and notice that all of these awesome promises are given to this great multitude that is from every nation and language and tongue. They're never going to hunger again. They're never going to thirst again. No more heat of the sun, but will be led to living fountains of water. Is that not the church? this blessed great multitude. Is that not what Jesus promised to all that believe in him? No more tears. This is the blessings of God on this great multitude from every nation and every language that is in heaven. This can only be the church. But the fact of the matter is, is that the wrath begins at the sixth seal. If you're going by God's word and not what man says, And suddenly, a great multitude appears in heaven. At the very start of the wrath, we are rescued out of it. We just come out of the start of the great tribulation before any of the trumpets are blown. The trumpets are the wrath of God, and so are the vials. So how do I know this? I know this because that is what the book of Revelation says. I'm not just going to make up stuff and say that the wrath comes at the first seal because that's not true and that is not backed by scripture. I know a lot of folks hold to that view. Even though it's unbiblical, there are many popular pastors, so it must be true. I don't think so. The only truth that we can stand on is the word of God and that is the Bible. So we must stick to what the Bible says over any popular pastor that is teaching otherwise. The Bible is the word of God. When popular pastors teach things that are not in the Bible, like the rapture being in chapter four, when the Bible clearly states that the wrath comes at the end of chapter six, then that is when they start to make stuff up. And what they're doing is they're saying that all of the seals are the wrath, when that's not what the Bible says. I'm sorry. As much as you want to believe them, as much as we don't want to experience any type of persecution or troubles or trials, unfortunately, that's not what Jesus says. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, the first five seals are just tribulation. And I'm not talking about the tribulation. I'm just saying there are going to be troubles and there are hard times. These are the birth pangs that are of the church age that we are to experience before the woman gives birth. And they're just that. They're birth pangs. We're in them right now. Can you not look at the world around you and see that there's always been wars? There's always been pestilences. There's always been famines. It's nothing to be afraid of. We have Christ, and He is with us always until the end of the world. And with Christ, He will comfort us, He will guide us, and He will help us through every single tribulation of our lives. And He will not ever leave us. The Lord is our refuge, He is our strength, and He is a strong tower. And the Lord God will provide us through every situation of our lives. So to the people that are teaching that all of the seals are the wrath of God, you cannot show me in the Bible anywhere where it says that. These people have to add their own interpretations and twist the scriptures to fit their view. To find the rapture in Revelation, you only need to search for the word wrath. Then you would know that that is our Red Sea moment. We get rescued the same time the wrath comes. It's the same exact day. The trumpets, the vials are supernatural judgments. Everything before the sixth seal is natural, meaning that it's all been going on for thousands of years. There's always been famines, wars, pestilences, plagues. This world has always been in tribulation. And brothers and sisters have been getting killed and slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held for thousands of years. Was there ever a prophet that the Jews did not persecute? They even killed the one who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and they killed most of the disciples and the apostles, even our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about all the Jews, only the ones that rejected God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They caused great persecution on the early church, and Rome did as well. And also after Rome came Islam, and Islam has been killing Christians since the very start of Islam to this very day. However. When the sixth seal is opened and those stars of heaven come down, then the woman gives birth to us, the church, and we are caught up to God's throne, as seen in the sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6 and 7. Folks, the rapture is near. I didn't even mention Sultan Suleimani and the fact that the walls of Jerusalem were completed in the year 1540 through 1541. When you add 490 years, the completion of the wall of Jerusalem, that takes you to the year 2030, exactly 2,000 years from the passion of Jesus Christ. 2030 is a pivotal year. It is the great jubilee. It is the end of Daniel's 70th week and the start of Christ's thousand-year reign on the earth. It is the year 6,000 from Adam. We are living at the very last hour. Think about it, we don't even have another decade to go until we are living with Jesus on the earth. Praise the Lord. So I'm gonna go ahead and wrap things up. I gotta land this plane now, but before I do, I just wanna go ahead and reassure you all that if you had any doubts about us being in the end times or doubts that the rapture is near, you can rest assured knowing that this is the end. Look at prophecy. Look at Hosea chapter 6-2. That prophecy screams that we are the last generation. Hosea 6-2 is a prophecy for the Jews about when Jesus will return and he will live in their sight. I believe that this prophecy will be fulfilled exactly 2,000 years from Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And I believe that with all of my heart. And I believe that the year of his crucifixion, the the year of his passion, was in 30 AD, meaning that the Battle of Armageddon and Jesus' return to stay on the earth is in the year 2030. And that would mean that the rapture happened seven years before 2030. So you do the math, subtract seven from 2030, and you could see that we are very close And the reason I say seven years is because there are two separate time periods in the book of Revelation in chapter 12. There is a 1260 days, and there is a time, times, and half a time. And I believe that these are two separate three and a half year periods that total seven years. But in the case that I am wrong, and there is only three and a half years, then all we would simply have to do is subtract three and a half from the year 2030 because I believe that 2030 is key and is the great jubilee of the year 6000, marking the seventh day, also known as the day of the Lord, being 2,000 years from when Jesus ascended back to heaven. So be encouraged, folks. Get excited because we are going to our eternal home soon to be with the Lord in paradise forever praise the Lord. Until next time, I love you all. God bless you all and Maranatha.